Four of you. Yes. I'm in the right place. I love to be with people who just don't want to be here. It's easier to make fun of them that way. All right. Well, you got to have to put up with me. Shelby's out of town. She's at a graduation, so I have no one to restrain me. Uh, I, I've, been at, I've been preaching at man camps, it seems like all summer long. Just got home in time for church last night. Going to preach four times next week. Uh, uh, and so I'm fired up just a little bit, just a little bit fired up. If you, uh, and, and if I irritate you today, get over it. All right. Cause, uh, here we go. You ready? If you're here today, you don't own a Bible. If you hold your hand up, the ushers will bring you one. It's our gift to you. Want to make sure everybody's got a copy of the word of God. Get in that book. David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. In other words, he said, your word guides my steps. It, it turns the lights on so I don't have to go through life in the dark. Guys, there's so many issues and challenges that we deal with on a daily basis that the solution's right there in your Bible. That, that book has got the answer to your dilemma. So get in the book, amen? Look at somebody, tell them, get in the book. Amen. You got your Bible with you today? Let's stand together one more time. We're going to make a confession. Hold the Bible up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I will never be the same. Say, I will never be the same. Say, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise. Amen. How many of you love summer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love summer. Hate, hate the fact that a lot of people think they shouldn't go to church during the summer, but summer is kind of fun. And we get to see faces we haven't seen in a while. We've got Evan home from Master's Commission. Rochelle's home today from Master's Hi, Rochelle. Stand up. Say hi to everybody, Rochelle. Say hi. Amen. God's changing lives and, and uh, helping us grow. How many realize that that's God's great desire for his people is that we would grow? God's not against you. He's for you. He's got the hope in the future. He's got a plan. He's, you know, his mercy, his grace is, is lovingly nudging you back on track even when you mess it up. Even when you wander off the trail, here they come, man. Holy Ghost and doing everything it can to bring you back on track. Got that GPS navigation system thing going on in your spirit. God rescuing you, not from a mean devil, from a dumb you. <laughs> you know, our big problem is not, is not some demonic force. Our biggest problem, man, you just got to look in the mirror to find your problem. One man said, yeah, if, I, if I could take the guy that's created all this havoc and just kick his behind, I wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. You stir up a lot of stuff for yourself. You, you know, uh, God is infusing you with an inner strength. Infusing you with an inner strength. Infusing you with an inner strength. He's talking to us all the time. Remember Matthew 7? It said, anyone who hear these sayings of mine and doeth them, he's wise. And then it goes on, it says, anyone who heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, he's foolish. The, the key there, the key there is that anyone can hear God. 
Hear me. Anyone can hear God. You can hear God. God's talking to you all the time. You really don't need the angels to come down and do the river dance out in the driveway. You don't need green glow paint in your bedroom painting out your name. You don't need the clouds to form a shape that only you've thought of in your mind for, to prove that God's, ta- God's trying to talk to you all the time. You really don't want a friend that gets the megaphone out and hollers across the parking lot, your zipper's down. You want the friend that comes up alongside of you nonchalantly in the middle of a group of people and you've been running around all day in that shape and you want him to say, barn door something. <laughs> you, you know, you, you really want him to cover you. God's not trying to, to shake us up. He's trying to lead us and guide us. You've heard that still small voice. Man, that still small voice. Revelations 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. In other words, God said, I'm at the door. You're at the threshold of something marvelous. If you'll hear my voice and open the door, how do I open the door for God's involvement, God's participation in my life? How do I open the door? By doing what he said. If you hear my voice and open the door and obey and obey. There's a lot of things you don't need to pray about it. You need to obey about it. Oh, that was good right there. Right? <laughs> that was good. I, I felt the Holy Ghost right there in my elbow. That, that was good. You need to obey about it. You just need to start doing some things that God needs you to do. He just, you know, think about this. Remember, uh, what is it, Psalms 112? The Lord has been mindful of thee. The Lord has been mindful of thee. The Lord has been mindful of thee. You're on his mind. He, he's got you figured out. He's got your situation covered. And it goes on and says, he will bless you. God has been mindful of you. He's going to bless you. Well, how does God bless you? Well, he sends Ed McMahon to my house. No, no that's not what he does. Well, he he has somebody bring me over a free car. You know, that just don't happen very often. How does God bless you? You go back go back and, and read it. You know, in Genesis one twenty eight it says God put them in the garden. God blessed them and said, How does God bless? With his word. The word bless is to position to win or succeed in any given situation. God is gonna position you to win or succeed with his word. See, the reason it's foolish to not do what he said is because what he said is going to position you to win even in the messed up situation you're in. The reason it's foolish not to obey God is because God's intention is not to harm you, but to prosper you. To connect you to the future, not to repeat the past, but to bring you out of darkness into light. We're crazy when we don't obey God. Crazy. Because God's just wanting to bless you. Said so God's just wanting to bless you. But we have been so bombarded with mindsets and belief systems that are so contrary to the word of God. We, we pray a prayer, and it's, it's needful to do so. I mean, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you shall be 
born again, right? You're going to be saved. Whosoever believeth on the name of the Lord shall be, whosoever calls on that name shall be saved. Well, well, you got to start somewhere, right? But we pray what we would call the sinner's prayer and, and we get connected to the life, real life. Jesus said that I've come that you might have and enjoy abundant life, life in abundance to the top till it overflows. We're talking about Zoe life, God life, eternal life. Eternal life does not start when you're dead. It starts when you're born again. But when you're born again, what happens is your spirit is regenerated. Your spirit comes alive. Your spirit, the real you, is now connected to God life. But your soul, remember James said, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which has the ability, the power to save your soul. See, your spirit's alive and connected in Christ. Your soul still has some stuff to work out. Corinthians 15, 7, is that right? If any man be in Christ, he's new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Well, if any man be in Christ, he's new. Well, when, did you get a new set of, you know, hair, teeth when you were born again? If all things are fresh and new, did, you, did your bank account suddenly overflow? Well, no, it, it's the spirit. All things are new, but that's your spirit. You still have to deal with the soul. Well, I want God to deal with me. I, I want the Holy Ghost to do it for me. No, uh, Romans 12, 1. Here's one that most of us can quote. I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I beseech you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your... Notice how many times you are the subject of that verse. You have got to bring your body under. Remember, you're a body, you're a spirit, soul, body. The body, that's just the house that everything's living in. Your soul is the way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices. Your spirit, that's that part which came right out of God. Okay, your spirit came right out of God. Remember the creation process, and there will be a test later, so make sure that you understand this. Um, and you've got to grab on fast because this is, you know, Sunday morning. We don't have all day. Um, the creation process, God decided what he wanted. He decided where he wanted to come from. He spoke to what he wanted to come from. What he spoke came out of what he spoke to, and what he spoke had to remain attached to what he spoke to in order to survive. Okay, got it? You should have that by now. He decided what he wanted. He decided where he wanted to come from. He spoke to what he wanted to come from. What he spoke came out of what he spoke to, and what he spoke had to remain attached to what he spoke to in order to survive. Let's break it down. God decides he wants grass. That's, he makes the decision. I want grass. Where do I want the grass to come from? Dirt. What's he speak to? Dirt. He speaks to dirt, but he doesn't say dirt. He already had dirt. Remember God, when he saw darkness, he didn't say, wow, it's dark. He said, no, let there be light. What he spoke came out of what he spoke to. So God's looking at dirt. He says, grass, up pops Grass comes right out of the dirt, separate grass from dirt. What happens? It dies. Do a genetic study on grass. What's going to happen? It's going to die. No. Do a genetic study on grass. What is it? Dirt. Separate it from the dirt. It's going to die. Okay? Let's go farther. What do we want next? Well, let's make cattle. Where do we want cattle to come from? Dirt. Got a lot of dirt. 
right? So God speaks to dirt. He doesn't say grass. He already got grass. He doesn't say dirt. He's already got dirt. He says cattle. Cattle comes out of the dirt. How do we keep cattle connected to the dirt? We feed it grass. What's grass? Dirt. It's just like going to Taco Bell. This is, the, you, you, you know, this is it, guys. Taco Bell. These guys are geniuses. 76 menu items, seven ingredients. Think, what's a burrito? Well, that's a tortilla, ground beef and cheese. What's a taco? That's a tortilla, ground beef, lettuce and cheese. What are nachos? Well, those are cut up tortillas with ground beef and cheese. Next time you go to Taco Bell, they say, what would you like? Say, who cares? It don't matter. Just give me the cheap thing. And I'll call it what I want. <laughs> it's all the same stuff. Well, then God gives to making man, human, two words, humus and man. Humus is dirt. Man, spirit. The, your body, he formed out of the dirt. He formed your body, but that's not the important part. Man, when God said, oh, let's make man in our image, in our likeness. So God spoke to himself and right out of God came the spirit of man. When you get born again, that spirit comes alive inside of you. You're so used to being directed by the dictates of the flesh, but the spirit man's supposed to rise up now. That's what makes the difference between a non-believer and a believer. But see, we really struggle in differentiating between a believer and a non-believer because they all look the same. I mean, a, the only difference in many, many cases between a believer and a non-believer is a believer's got a t-shirt and a bumper sticker, and that's about it. And he, his life has lived exactly the same way. In, in the middle of a hot, you know, hellacious circumstance, you get the same result as a non-believer. It, it shouldn't be that way. Well, how did it get that way? Well, because we've been living life, but not the God life, because we're not directed by the Spirit. We're directed by the flesh, just like everybody else. Why? Because we haven't learned to live by the Spirit. Put up uh, Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Some translations say the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the deep parts of your heart. The, the spirit of man is the light that God uses to bring discernment, revelation, understanding to man. Remember the old Coleman lanterns? Some of you guys don't have a clue what those are. Jim had them as a kid growing up. They had them at the dining table. <laughs> and the Coleman lantern, you know, after a while, it would get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And then you had to take the plunger and pump it up. And, turn the, and as you pump the fuel up and the pressure would build and the, the light, the, you know, the little wick in there would get fat again and the, and the light would come on and be really, really bright. Some of us, what we need to do is pump up our spirit man again. Got to get the light shining. Some of you guys don't know what a Coleman lantern is. You need to recharge the battery so the flashlight will work in the dark. Right? You, you need to be like, like, like the uh, Motel 6 commercial. We'll leave the light on for you. What you need to do, you, you need to be that guy. What's his name again? Tom Bodette. You need to be the Tom Bodette of the spirit world and tell God, I'll leave the light on for you. Need to get the light turned on so that God, by his spirit, can come and lead you by your spirit. But if your spirit is dull and, 
dark and, and you're so used to living every day by the dictates of the flesh. See, there's a warfare that, that you just go through, you know, and, and a tug of war for who's going to be in charge. It's really kind of cool. Just a few days ago, Shelby had decided, you know, um, here about a year ago, uh, Micah got me into running. I start running, hitting those trails. And Shelby decided, well, you know what? I'm going to surprise Tom. So she got up early before I'd even get out of bed. And she started running, getting herself prepared to come to me and say, okay, I can start running with you now. And, you know, so she, she didn't want to get just one day and say, okay, I'm coming with you because I might decide to go six or nine or the farthest I've gone is 13 miles. She wanted to get ready to go with me. So she started running one, one and a half, two miles, getting ready, okay? And then she came to me and she said, I can run with you now. But she said, the craziest thing happened this week. It happened just this week. She said, on, on the loop that I've been running on in the morning, she said, I get to the bottom of this one hill and I walk up the hill and then I finish the loop from there. But she said, I got so busy in my mind this week as I was running that I was at the top of the hill before I realized I forgot to stop. I'm so used to stopping and walking up that it shocked me when I ran to the top. And the thing she said that was so bizarre is that I realized it wasn't even difficult. But in my mind, every day when I get there, if that's all I'm thinking about, then I stop and I walk and then I finish the loop. Well, see, what it is, it is, it's that same struggle that your body, your body's screaming, walk. Your spirit's screaming, run. Your body's used to being in control. So it starts resisting this new spirit that's trying to dominate and dictate the decisions. And there's a fight that goes on. See, you do realize that the average body will burn 100 calories on average every mile. It doesn't make any difference if you run it, sprint out, jog it, walk it, crawl it. I checked with them, driving doesn't count. I thought, well, if it's just one mile, I'll just drive. It doesn't work. But if you walk a mile, jog a mile, run a mile, it still burns 100 calories. The only difference is that when you run, it collapses the time. That's another message. So when you're on the trail, your body's screaming, walk. But, but your spirit is saying, no, I got to run. Your body comes up with great excuses. You don't need to run. You just take a little bit longer, but, but you can burn the same calories. But your spirit says, that's not the intention. That's not the only intention. I, I'm not just burning calories. I got cardiovascular stuff going on here. I, you know, I got other goals. I have other things to reach. I, I don't want to slow down. I want to collapse the time. I want to get this thing done. And you, if you allow your body to make your decisions, you will get in a wheelchair and roll yourself instead of run. Same thing's going on in your spirit. If you don't get your spirit pumped up, jacked up, ready to roll, See, look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4 says that the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing the center of soul and spirit. That's what you need. See, right there is what you need. The Amplified Bible says the word that God speaks is alive. The word that God speaks is alive and powerful, and it, it divides the soul from the spirit. Here's what we need. We, we need to have a division between our soul and our spirit so we can tell who's making the choices. 
I need the word of God to, to, to uh, come alive inside of me so that the word can say, stop. That's not the spirit. That, that's, that's you. I got news for you. Most of us are pretty selfish. We, we want stuff the way we want it, how we want it, when we want it, for as long as we want it. It's all about us. You want to sell a product, all you got to do is convince people what it does for them, right? You deserve a break today. Have it your way. This bud's for you. As long as it's about you, you can get people to buy anything. Why? Because our, that we're just trained and developed to, to look at what's best for me and go all about me. But Jesus said, I got a different road here. I, I got a different uh, path carved out for you, and it's going to produce a different end result that's going to just bless you crazy. But you're not going to be able to do it that way. You got to come over here and be led by my spirit and do it this way. Romans said, for as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. You got to be led by the spirit. We got to learn how to be led. We got to learn how to walk in the spirit. You know, this morning we dedicated a baby. The Romains had the baby, and we came in, we dedicate the baby, and it won't be long till that baby is, is, is attempting to walk. And we know that babies fall down right at 500 times before they become successful at walking. A lot of effort goes into that walking thing. I like the stage that when, 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 when they're, they're up on their feet, they're a little jittery, and as long as they've got something to hang on to, they're good. Know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Talking about you right now, aren't we? <laughs> You've seen them. They, they, get, they, they get at the couch, and they got that big grin. <laughs> Plop, and they're down. Then they pull themselves back up, and they're at the couch. It's like you guys in the spirit. No, that's good. That's great. You're learning, you're learning to get up on your own feet. And, and see, some of us, I think we're afraid we're going to fall down. So we, we just go with the way we know. But the way you know leads away from the life that God's called you to. Proverbs 14, there's a way that seems right to you, but it ends in death, not life. See, you can't, you can't go with the life that, that you are comfortable with. Here's the problem is we want to be comfortable. We want to be calm. We want to know what's going on. But the life of the spirit isn't that way. And God is speaking to you he, by your spirit. Get, get this. You've asked God for certain things. God wants to answer those prayers. But to bless you, he's got to speak to you. And to give demonstration that you've heard, you have to obey. I mean, do you, do you know enough Bible to get that? James said, don't be a hearer only, but a doer of the word. So in order to bless you, to position you to win or succeed, in order to answer your request, God's going to speak to you and you are going to have to do what he said and that's going to be the threshold that allows God's participation. Remember, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Hear my voice, open the door, I'm involved. So God's involvement is the answer to your prayer, okay? Let's just, put, let's, let's just break it down. God's involvement is the answer to your prayer. Well, I, I need God to, you know, produce healing or breakthrough, whatever it is, his involvement is going to be the answer to your prayer. To answer your prayer, you've got to open the door. How do you open the door? You obey what he said. So God's going to speak by his spirit to your spirit. And then you're going to do what his spirit said to your spirit. That's going to open the door and you're going to be positioned to win. So you got to obey. So sometimes 
See, I think some of us are so afraid to hear God that he's going to tell us to do something so crazy, so huge. Well, if I, if I listen to God, I have to go to Africa. No, Africa has enough problems of their own. You know, if I obey God, I'm going to have to do something I don't like. Well, you know, sometimes I, I just think, I think we go way out there. We get way ahead of ourselves. You, you know, uh, how old is Miley? Ten months? Does she mow the lawn yet? No, you don't have her mowing the lawn? When's that going to start? Soon. Okay. You know, we don't ask Miley to go mow the lawn. God's not going to ask you to do things that are way beyond your spiritual growth. Some of these things that God wants us, you know, to learn to be led by the Spirit, it's just little things. You know, you're in the grocery store and God speaks to your spirit. Something inside of your spirit says, let that lady go first. And in the natural, you're like, what do you mean let her go first? I got here first. Why would I let her go first? I'm in the 18 items or less. And I, she has 19 items anyway. She shouldn't even be in this land. Come on now. You know I'm talking to you now. Remember one time I was leaving the big city of Hepner, Oregon. I'd had the incredible pleasure, and it really was. I had the pleasure of speaking in Hepner. And that Sunday night, I had to go to the metropolis of Davenport be with a good friend of mine. And I got in the car and I don't know, I can't remember how far of a drive it is, but I didn't have a bunch of time. And so I got in the car, took off. I I didn't get down the road a mile. And in my spirit, I heard God say, turn around, go back. You're not done yet. I didn't have time to argue. How many of you have ever argued with God? Did you win? No. So I didn't have time to argue. Not if I wanted to stop somewhere and get something to eat. Well, there's nothing to eat in Hepner. So I just whipped the car around, went back. You know, not, not like I'm a genius or anything, but I don't know. I just heard it, and I stopped, and I turned the car around, went back, and I pulled back into the building, and there's a guy coming out of the building, walking down the steps, and, 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 and he's a big, strong, strapping cowboy. Well, maybe everybody in Hepner is, but this guy was. I mean, he had the belt buckle to prove it. He was a cowboy. He had his shirt tucked in. So you could see the buckle. And I know sometimes, you know, my boys, when they were growing up, they were diff- di- went, each of them went through different stages. There were stages where some of them decided they were going to get a buckle. Well, no, when, when, you, when you or I go buy a buckle, we're just fakers. It don't mean nothing. But those guys with them big buckles, they look like a license plate off of a Dodge truck. And their shirt's tucked in. don't make no difference how fat a cowboy gets. It. I mean, he tucks his shirt in and he earned that buckle. Okay, that buckle, that buckle didn't come easy. He, he had to cowboy up to get that buckle. He didn't ride one bull. He rode a bunch of bulls and beat everybody else who ever rode a bull. And they gave him a buckle for risking his life to prove that he was worthy of that buckle. This guy is a man's man coming down the stairs. And he says, I thought you left. I said, I did. But God said to come back because we're not done yet. And he goes, Really? I said, really? He goes, well, what are we going to do? I said, you need to get born again. The big guy with the buckle starts crying on the front of the building. He said, you're not going to believe this. I was sitting in this meeting as you were preaching, and I told God if he really wanted me to serve him, that he'd have you address me specifically. And when you got in your car and went down the road, I said, see how you are? And I had every intention to leave this building and never step foot in another church again in my life. 
And then I saw your car come back. And I looked at you and I said, what are you doing? And you said, we're not done yet. And I said, oh, really? What are we going to do? And you looked at me and said, you got to get born again. And I heard God say, see how I am? One stupid little thing. Turn around and go back. One little thing changes everything. One little thing changes everything. I have a friend who had gone through a series of traumatic life experiences, ended up jobless. His family was in danger of falling apart. Pressure of life was on him. And there was a godly man who owned several car dealerships in Oregon. And he called him up and set up a meeting, brought him in, and he said, I, I just want you to go to work for me. Funny part of that is that the, the, the individual I'm speaking of had been in prayer, and he told God, God, I need your help. And, uh, you know, and it's got to be now. And as he was getting up off the floor from praying, the phone rang. He went to the phone. It was the man that owned the dealerships. And, but while he was praying, he told God, I'll do anything, God, anything. I want to just give me anything. Well, I don't want to sell cars. And on the phone was the owner of several dealerships, and he set up a meeting, and he's like, I can't believe this. God's going to make me sell cars. And, and he went into this meeting, and the guy said, I, I want to hire you. I want to put you to work. I want to help you get back on track. He said, what do you do? What can you do? And he said, I'll do anything besides sell cars. I, d I really don't want to sell cars. And the, and the guy said, well, what are you good at? Are you good at computers? He goes, yeah, I'm pretty good at computers. Okay, you're our new manager of computers. You're the IT guy for my, all my dealerships. And he said, you know what's crazy is that when, I, when he asked me if I was pretty good at computers, I knew how to turn mine on. He said, I got into the manager's or into the dealership, and he said, you know, there's mainframes and there's networks. And he said, there's a, he said I didn't even know how to turn that on. He said, and they just put up with me and they, they, you know, they just covered me and all the other employees, all the other managers knew I was just the owner's pet. He said, so they didn't even ask me for nothing. They didn't, it, it, you know, want my opinion. They didn't care that I was there. He said, it went on for months. They'd say hi and walk right by me. He said, cause I, he said, you know, I was trying to figure stuff out, trying to learn, but I didn't have a clue what I was doing. He said the only cool part was that on Mondays and Fridays they had managers meetings and they'd all get to go in and sit down. And he said, you know, if you've never been around the car business, a manager's meeting is really quite something else. And there's a lot of excitement and a lot of building emotions up and this rah, rah, rah. And he said, and at the end of every meeting, the, the, the general manager would go around the different other managers and he'd get to the service manager and he'd say, what are you going to do to help us sell a billion cars? You know, and say, oh, we're going to offer uh, free oil changes with, you know, every time you buy a tire or something, you know, whatever. And yeah, it went around the room and it'd get everybody rah. And he said, they get to you. You got anything to say? Okay, well, let's go. And he said, wouldn't even give him a chance to say anything. Of course, he had nothing to say. Said one, one month they came in and they said, okay, now we, we have a goal this month. And we have these Dodge Dakota trucks and we've got to sell. Uh, I think it was 33 of these trucks. We sell 33 of these trucks. We're going to get some money from the, uh, you know, the manufacturer and, and it's going to be awesome and everybody's going to be happy and you're all going to get rewards. Uh, rah, 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 and they went and they went all month. And at the end of the month, they came down and, at that Friday meeting and they had three days left and they had only sold three of those trucks. And this meeting was a little different from every other manager's meeting he'd been in. Very high pressure, very intense, very emotional. People were screaming and hollering and blaming and doing all kinds of stuff. And on the way to that meeting, he said, 
I couldn't argue. I knew it was God. God said before, you know, when they get around and they're going, asking who's got, what do you got to say? What do you got to, when they get to you, just say, I want to pray. And he's like, you go tell them. You know, you do it. I ain't, I ain't doing that. Them people, number one, they, they don't really like me. Number two, none of them like you, God. And, uh, you know, the guy that owns the dealership, different story with these guys. And I tell him, and, and he's, but once again, you've argued with God before, right? So they're in that meeting, the high pressure, all this energy, all of this emotion, and he's going around, and, and he, he, okay, he's talking to the service manager, okay, what are you going to do about this? And what are you guys going to do about that? And what have you got to say? And he got to, got to him, and he said he almost overlooked him completely. And, and he said, you, what do you got? And he said, and he just blurted out, I think we ought to pray. And he just said he, he didn't look, he didn't, uh, you know, just see a response. He just bowed his head and started praying. Father, you know the owner of this company and these dealerships, and I know that he's a good man, and you intend to bless him. And God, these people here, well, you know who they are too. And 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 God, you, you know, uh, you you know that they need a miracle, and uh, and I guess I do too because I'm on the team. And Jesus' name, Amen. And he said he just got up and left the room because uh, it was Friday, and IT managers don't work the weekend. <laughs> he come back to work on Monday, and there was a different buzz around the lot. The owner of the dealership had come in and walked up to him. Charlie, Charlie, this is the most amazing thing. He said, I heard what you did in that meeting on Friday. Charlie, I heard what you did in that meeting on Friday. I've got to tell you something. That, that was pretty impressive. We sold over 35 trucks over the weekend, Charlie. One simple act of obedience changed everything. You know, what was really amazing is that people started coming to Charlie Hey, Charlie, I haven't made my quota this month. I was wondering if maybe you could, uh, you know, could, could, could we pray about that? <laughs> One little act of obedience on your part is going to change everything. It might change the total level of influence that you have all over the place. It's going to be something awesome that God has for you, the, the fulfillment of your dream. But in order to produce it, God needs you to obey. Let, let, let me read you uh, one scripture from 2 Samuel 23. There was a guy named Beniah. He was a valiant warrior. He did many heroic deeds. Wouldn't it be cool if that's the way God describes you? Huh? Wouldn't it be awesome if when God is talking about you, he said, valiant warrior, said a pathetic loser. And he said, heroic deeds instead of a lot of stupid stuff. Wouldn't it be cool? Here's a guy that God called a, hero a valiant warrior, heroic deeds. Listen, he, uh, he killed two of Moab's mightiest warriors, two of the mightiest. David killed Goliath. Benaiah killed two of the mightiest warriors. Another time, he chased the lion into a pit and despite the snow and slippery ground, caught the lion and killed it. David killed a lion and a bear, but when the lion that, da the lion that David killed was after the sheep, that was, that was David's turf. Benaiah went to the lion's turf. We're talking about a bad dude here. You know, there were some incredibly crazy guys in the Bible. 
And they had something going, man, didn't they? There's something a little different about these guys. Nobody would have called Benaiah a coward if in the middle of a snowstorm had he crossed the track of a lion, had he stopped, backed up, and went home. You wouldn't call him coward. You'd call him, that's smart. That's what the rest of us have done. You know, I mean, but there's something different about Benaiah that would cause him to say, lion trap. Something perked up inside of him when he saw what other people were running from. You know, a lion can run 35 miles an hour. It can leap 30 feet at a time. It has claws that give it traction in the snow. Unless Benaiah's got his golf shoes on, he ain't got no traction. He can't run 35 miles an hour, and he can't jump far enough to get out of way. But something jumped inside of his spirit when he saw the tracks. Other people would run and hide, but something motivated him to keep going. You know what? Here's what I think it is. I think all of Benaiah's life, he pictured himself. From a young boy, he pictured himself owning a log cabin, a rock fireplace, and a lion skin rug. Uh-huh. That's right. I think he pictured coming home after Mrs. Benaiah had been to Victoria's Secret. I think he saw the fire was lit in the rock fireplace and Mrs. Benaiah was saying, hi there, Benny. Come on, light my fire. I think it had been a dream of his all his life. And there was only one way to make that happen. Because Walmart don't sell lionskin rugs. He knew David. David had killed a lion. But can you imagine going to David's house saying, could I borrow that come Friday? No, man, he wants his own. And the only way to get the dream to be fulfilled is somebody's going to have to kill a lion. Can you picture Benaiah in his log cabin, kneeled down in front of the rock fireplace, praying that God would drop off a dead lion in the front yard? That's how we pray, ain't it? I need this breakthrough. God, would you make it happen? Well, that ain't your victory then, is it? Oh, I sent in a $77 gift to TBN. And you know what I got? I got lion hair, just a little tuft of lion hair. I don't get the whole rug. So the only way to get my rug is to go kill my lion. Something inside of him, when he saw that trail, something said, go get it. And I think that there's something in our spirit today that God just wants to say, go get it. You've been dreaming for a breakthrough, dreaming for a healing, believing God for, for, uh, uh, you know, uh, for a victory, believing God for a healing, believing God for a restoration, and God's just saying, listen, go get it. Go get it. Let me lead you by your spirit. Let me say one word to you that'll change everything. I want to position you to win and succeed. I want to bless you. I want to speak to you. But in order to activate the power of that seed, you've got to obey it. So when God says, go get it, you can't be afraid that you're going to fail. You can't listen to voices that say it can't be done. You just have to rise up and go kill your lion. We got to learn to be led by the spirit so that when it really, really matters, we're no longer hanging onto the couch with wobbly knees and, and, and a wide look in our eyes. No, we got we to gotta grow ourselves to the point where we know how to walk in the spirit so that when God says stop and be quiet, you know that's God and you just hold your peace because there's something that God wants to do not only in this city and in this region and through this house, but there's something that God wants to do in your home, in your life, in your situation, but he can't direct you if you don't know how to live by the Spirit.
You got some voice telling you that if you're led by the Spirit, you're going to get really weird. No, you're going to get really effective. God might do some stuff that you don't understand, but if you're led by the Spirit, that don't even bother you. You know, I had somebody come up the other day. Uh, well, I was in, in Idaho and, you know, had another man camp. Here's all these guys, and they're all, all, all of these guys up on the Snake River, and, and uh, uh, you know, and we're getting ready to pray and, and pray for guys, and they've responded to an altar call. Can't remember what I'd preached about, and here they come, and we're, we're going to pray for them. And most of them, most of them might, before we got to them, they were tired because they were laying on the floor. You know, they, they were just falling down, you know, stuff's happening. Well, and I had a guy come to me, and he said, well, can you explain that to me? I said, no. I can't explain that to you. I can't explain to you how my father was sent home in 1980 to die with cancer, had tubes up his nose to feed him. He had been through radiation and chemotherapy so weak. His head, he had to reach up with his hand, push his head. I can't explain to you how quoting one proverb day after day after day after day caused him to rise up out of that chair, the cancer to fall off, the tubes to come out, and him to preach for another 20 years and build you know, churches. I, I don't know how that works. My goal in life is not to see people fall on the floor. I could care less. My goal in life is not to get you to a place where you can have Holy Ghost goosebumps and the hair on the back of your head sound. My goal in life is to lead people into a victory walk that demonstrates Satan's defeat and humiliates hell. My goal in life is to prove to you that the lower level of life is not the only life that is available, that there's a higher level. According to Matthew 10, 39, in order to get the high life, you've got to let go of it, the low life. And if you want to be led by the Spirit, you can be led by the Spirit. And being led by the Spirit will change every dimension of every area of your life. And you have an enemy that will point out some weird little things that you just don't get. And I get uncomfortable when this happens. I get uncomfortable. Every time I come to church, I'm a little uncomfortable. I guess we're like Ed Young says, we're comfortably uncomfortable. I think if God has to stretch me beyond the region of normal in order to position me to allow him to participate, I'm good with that. That don't bother me at all. But don't you dare allow the enemy to tell you that if you become led by the Spirit, you're going to become some weird flake that rolls on the floor and swings from chandeliers. We ain't even got chandeliers. Well, there's a bunch of stuff I don't understand. There's all kinds of things. I guarantee you that not very many of you could really give a good explanation of the, of, of the proper usage of electricity and where it comes from, how it works, but you still use the lights. You do not, don't be under the impression that I understand why your car runs. Don't bring it to me to fix it. But I tell you what, I know that being led by the Spirit is the way to live life. It's the way to live life. It's the only way to live God life because it's the spirit of man that is the light of the Lord that he uses to go inside a man and show him the way to walk. You got to have spirit. You got to be led by the spirit. You want to kill your lion. You want to get your lion rug. You want to see your vision, your dream, your destiny, and your purpose fulfilled. You're going to have to be led by the spirit or you can let... The carnal man, keep his position, and you can just be a disappointed, frustrated believer praying, even so, come Lord quickly. But I don't think that's really the life we should settle for, do you? I say, snow might be falling. 
It might not be on our turf. We might be in a pit, but we can still trust God, kill a lion, and go home a valiant warrior performing heroic deeds. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. You really needed this. Tell them. Let me pray for you. (laughs) Let me pray for you. Bow your head. Close your eyes.